0: Thank you, Cameron, for reading our scripture. We appreciate so much your presence. It's good to see each of you here tonight. Glad that you're here. And I know that there are a lot of other places you could be, but we're so thankful that you're here tonight. Got a lot of young folks here tonight, and for that, we're grateful. And we probably got one of the youngest, I guess, young of the, one of the youngest little girls in our youth group now. Charlie Kate looks like she's pretty active in the youth group, and so we're glad have her and then I think about Zach's little baby and you know there's going to come a day in time when there are a lot of guys that are going to want to come to this church (laughs) you just keep having little girls and I promise you this place will be full. Tonight I want us to look at Romans chapter 16. This afternoon I had the opportunity to assist in conducting a funeral for a friend of mine who was a former elder at Cordova And as I sat during a portion of that service, I thought about some of the things that were being said. A lot of great things that were said about this individual. He was a tremendous encourager, particularly to guys that tried to preach. And he was very good to me. And yet, in many respects, he was not well known. Not many people would know his name. And yet he found his niche and became a servant in the kingdom. So when it's all said and done, at some point in time, people will reflect upon our lives. What are they going to say? Ultimately, God knows the full story, doesn't he? God knows everything. And so when it's all said and done, hopefully and prayerfully, what will be said of us is that we were faithful. Tonight I want to talk about a lady. Typically when we study characters in the Bible, whether it be the Old or New Testaments, we accentuate some of God's great servants, and specifically I'm talking about male servants. But there were a lot, and there are a lot, of great female servants. Many ladies have literally been the backbone of a lot of congregations. Brother Billy knows what I'm talking about. Congregations that may be few in number, and yet there's always been this nucleus of Christian ladies that have held things together. Not a lot is known about this lady that I want to talk about tonight. Her name is Phoebe. And she was a member of the church in Sincrea. Sincrea was located east of the city of Corinth. It would have been west of Athens. Of course, Corinth and Athens well known to many of us today. And yet she found a niche in that church and I think did a lot of good. Interestingly, there's not a lot said about her, but what is said, I think, is remarkable. Let me just read for you what Paul says in writing in chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church in Synchreia, that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever business she has need of you. For indeed, she has been a helper of many and and of myself also. Let me just talk for a minute or two about first and foremost, here was somebody that was a sister in the Lord, and not just in the Lord, but in the Lord's work. And as I think about the statement made by Paul here that she was a sister, of course, that reminds us of her relationship to God the Father. One of the great things about Scripture is it has a lot to say about the relationship that we forge with God through our obedience to the gospel. The Bible talks about how God has showered His love upon us and as a result of our obedience to the gospel, we become His children. We are a part of His family. In 1 John chapter 3, at verse 1, John said, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called... The children or the sons of God. Here was a lady that was a child of God. And she, like those of us that have obeyed the gospel, we are people of like precious faith. There's this unique tie that binds us all together. And to think about God as our Heavenly Father and somebody that genuinely cares about us. And His love and grace and compassion are evident. We can read about that over and over again. And then I think about not only her relationship to God the Father, but her relationship to God's family. First, there is this vertical relationship that we enjoy with God. When we obey the gospel, God becomes our Heavenly Father, doesn't He? But then there is this horizontal relationship that we sustain with one another. Have you ever thought about what a great blessing it is to be a part of the church? There are a lot of corporations in this world, and some of you probably work for some stellar places. And they have, no doubt, tremendous reputations in the community. Some some corporations are known as employee-friendly. That's a great thing. But to be a member of the church that Jesus died and purchased with his blood... To think that we are a part of God's family. And to think about all the great blessings and favors that we enjoy in the the context of that spiritual relationship. In Acts chapter 2 at verse 42, Luke tells us that the early church continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship. In the breaking of bread and prayers. This lady was blessed. She was fortunate to be a part of the church, to be a part of God's family. I hope and pray that none of us take for granted the blessings that we enjoy in Christ. I think about the blessings of being a Christian. When my dad was born, his mother had TB. My dad was born in 1933. His brother drowned at the age of 15 in 1935. About a month later or so, if I recall correctly, his mother died. My dad said he never knew his biological mother. When my dad was 11, my grandfather married the only lady that I ever knew as my grandmother on his side and the beauty of that relationship is she brought the truth to our family she was a member of the church so I am a product of that union and I think about all the blessings and favors that I enjoy in this life and yet because of that one special union I had the opportunity to grow up in the church. To learn the truth of God. To be baptized into Christ and to become a part of the church of Christ. The church that wears the name of Christ because it belongs to Him. He built it. He bought it. And so it belongs to Him. And So I am a gracious recipient of that relationship. I would hope and pray that we never take for granted the blessings of being a part of God's family. So she was fortunate in that respect. She had, at some point in time, come in contact with the gospel, became obedient to it, and became a member of the church. Not only was she fortunate, but she had a fortune. I have no idea, materially speaking, where she stood in the world. I just don't know. The text doesn't tell us her financial status, her economic status. But I know this, as a sister in Christ, she was wealthy. And if you're in the Lord Jesus Christ and you're serving Him, let me tell you what, you are rich. It may be you don't know how rich you are. In Romans chapter 8, Paul said that those of us who are part of the body of Christ, we are heirs of God. And joint heirs with Christ. In 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter talks about, based on the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, that we have a living hope. That living hope is what sustains us, isn't it? Gives us hope for the future. I mentioned just a moment ago the funeral that I attended. It's all said and done for a Christian. When a Christian dies in the Lord, that's what they were living for. And they are looking forward to and longing for that heavenly home. That place that Peter describes as incorruptible, undefiled. He said it fades not away and it is reserved in heaven for you. I stood at the side or actually sat at the bedside of this friend of mine a couple of weeks ago. Parkinson's disease had robbed him of his speech, of his body movements. His wife took his hand out from under the cover and placed it in mine. And we sat and talked, or at least I talked to him. I reminisced with him. At one point during our conversation, his eyes grew wide. He began to smile And there was a sense of clarity there that he understood exactly what I was saying. Death has now released him from that body. But because he was a child of God and because he was living in hope of life eternal, he could go to a better place. As Paul said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. To depart and be with Christ is far better. So to die in Christ, to be a child of God, what a blessing. To be a part of the family of God. So first of all, she was a sister in the Lord, in the Lord's work. And then secondly, she was a servant in the Lord. She was a servant in the Lord's work. Let me just talk for a minute or two about her position. Look again at Romans chapter 16, verse 1. I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant Of the church in Sincrea, There might have been a lot of other things that Paul could have used to identify this lady. But he chose under the guidance or superintendence of the Holy Spirit. First to identify her as a sister in the Lord. And then secondly he speaks of her being a servant. In the Lord. She was a servant of the church. As a servant of God, we represent Christ, and not just Christ, but we also represent the church of Christ, don't we? So wherever we go, our calling card is we're a servant. We are a servant of the Lord. It may seem strange to you that Paul chose to identify her as a servant. But Jesus Christ, when he came to earth, what was his purpose? To serve, wasn't it? You remember the apostle Paul would say in Philippians chapter 2 that Jesus took upon himself the form of a servant being made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself to the point of death. Jesus came to serve the human family. He would say in Matthew chapter 20, at verse 28, that the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, that is to serve, and to give himself as a ransom for the many. So, you look at the life of the Apostle Paul. And Paul would identify himself as a servant of God, wouldn't he? Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. As a servant of God, he would write to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, and he would say to those people, Be ye imitators or followers of me, even as I am also of Christ. So if Jesus was a servant and we are to follow in his steps, and Paul was a servant seeking to follow in the footsteps of Christ, what does that say to us? Paul here is writing to a Christian lady, and he is calling her a servant. You want to talk about a compliment. There might be a lot of things that are said about you, and there are some things that may be said that flatter you, but to be a servant. Now, typically, we think about a servant negatively speaking. It has a negative connotation in our world. And yet, from the perspective of Christianity, it has a positive connotation, doesn't it? It carries with it the idea of one who submits to the commands of another. For example, a servant-master relationship. Jesus is the King of kings, Lord of lords, and we're servants. He was a servant, yes, but we submit to His will. It also carries with it the idea of being a waiter. For example, to wait tables, to serve food or drink. So what does that say to us? It says that if we are servants of the Lord then number one we are submissive to his will and number two we're willing to do whatever it takes to advance his cause. Her position was that of a servant. Sometimes we talk about preachers. Look Preachers are servants. Elders, great men, tremendous responsibility, but they are servants. Deacons, great men, but they are servants. Song leaders, again, great men, but they're servants. All of us are to be servants in the kingdom of God. Somebody said on one occasion with regard to titles in the church, he said, What we ought to do is hang the title and do the work. There's a lot to be said for that. It's an honor to serve as a preacher, an elder, a deacon, a song leader, whatever, to be a Bible class teacher. But to see ourselves as a servant. Let me tell you what, we have have outstanding members. and The reason we have outstanding members is because we have outstanding servants. I'm grateful for our eldership. Great men. And they have great wives. I'm grateful for our deacons, for every member of this congregation. But when it comes to our position, it's not about necessarily about a position. It's about seeing ourselves as a servant. So, first, I'm reminded of her position and then her productivity. Look now at verse 2. Paul, in commending Phoebe... Who was a servant of the church in Sincrea, he said that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever business she has need of you. Think about collectively those people, men and women, brothers and sisters in Christ, viewing themselves as servants, working together for common good. They're all working together, they're all joining hands, and they're all saying, Look, we have one primary goal. What's that goal? To advance the cause of Christ. It's a collective effort. The church is bigger than any one person. And yet the church requires each and every person, whether young or old, rich or poor, black or white, educated, uneducated, whatever. We all have our niche, don't we? There's something that all of us can do and we can work together. And one of the things that helps the church go forward in a positive way is if we have that mentality that, hey, we're here to serve. We're here to serve together. We're here to work together and do what we can. It's not about us getting the honor or the glory. It's not about somebody patting us on the back and talking about what a great person we are. But rather it's about us just trying to do the work of a servant. So from the vantage point of productivity, he said, Assist her in whatever business she has need of you For indeed she has been a helper of many And of myself also So here's what Paul said: Not only was she an asset to other people within the church But Paul said she was an asset to him Could I ask you a question? Are you an asset to this congregation? I got a buddy of mine that I saw today He and I have been friends for a long long time He went to Ole Miss, he's a CPA and great guy, great personality. And he's always looked at things in many respects from the vantage point of assets and liabilities. Very shrewd guy. He has, as we would say, a green thumb, and it's not with plants, if you know what I mean. Very sharp. But he looks at things from the vantage point of assets and liabilities. How would you classify yourself? Would you say that you're an asset to the church here or are you a liability? Think about that. Are you helping to build up the cause? Are you doing what you can to be a team player, to be a team member, to advance the cause? Or are you, as we would say, dead weight? I don't say that to try to be mean-spirited toward anyone. But hopefully, you get the point. We need to be an asset in the church, not a liability. In, in terms of assets, now you might ask the question okay, so what, what are my assets? What do I have to offer? Well, number one, you can offer your time, can't you? Time is something that, by its very nature, is fleeting. That's why Solomon, or rather, that's why. I, The psalmist said, and the long ago, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Jesus said, I must work the works of him who sent me. The night is coming when no man can work. You only got a limited amount of time here on planet earth. So Paul said, what you need to do, redeem the time. Make wise usage of your time here on planet earth. It may be that you don't have a lot of time but I would suspect that you have a little bit of time to offer in the kingdom. Surely you can carve out a little bit of time to help the work of the church here. That's one asset that all of us, hopefully and prayerfully, have to offer. A second, our talents. We have a lot of talented people here. And sometimes we have talents that we have never uncovered they remain hidden you might have tremendous abilities in a certain area but you've never launched out into the deep so to speak and tried to teach but you know the Bible you've got some time to study and prepare and you could be a teacher it's just one possibility that's just one example But think about the talents that you possess, those talents that are unique to you. I don't know what your talents may be. I know what some of your talents are. But you have some unique talents that can be used for the glory of God. Here's a lady that used her talents and her time for the advancement of the cause, didn't she? That's all we're asking. Would you give us a little bit of time and would you give us some of your talents? Not too much to ask of any person. There's a third thing that I would classify as an asset. This is something that all of us know a little bit about, our treasures. That is our material possessions, our money. We can use our time for God we can use our talents for God and the treasures that we have. We give on the first day of the week for the purpose of doing what? Hopefully and prayerfully lifting the name of Christ up in this community, and not just in this community, but around the country. There are two parts to the Great Commission. There is the going and the sending. Not everybody can go, but we can send, can't we? Remember Jesus said, go therefore, make disciples of all the nations? I can't go to a foreign country. Maybe, maybe I need to restate that. I could go to a foreign country, but I choose not to go to a foreign country. Maybe that's the way I, the way I ought to say it. I had a friend of mine said one time, he said, I don't go outside the continental United States for anybody. A lot of places I'd like to see, but in this day and time, I'm not so sure I want to... I want to have a target on my back, if you know what I mean. So, we may not all be able to go, but we can send. We can take the money that we make in corporate America, put that in the collection plate on the first day of the week, and in so doing, we are teaching the lost, strengthening. Members of the body of Christ, we're helping people as Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 25. Remember in Matthew chapter 25 when he said, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. He said, I was naked, you clothed me. I was a stranger, you took me in. I was sick and in prison, you visited me. That's what it's about. So using our time, our talents, our treasures, in a productive way. This lady was productive. I don't know exactly what all she was doing, but I know one thing. She was busy. I mentioned a moment ago that, by way of definition, a servant is somebody who waits tables. had a boss one time, a friend of mine. We talked about our boss, the one that owned the company, And he said, look, when you go by his office, the only thing he wants to see is your elbows. He he means for you to be moving at a fast clip. Well, be busy. Get busy. Stay busy. Third thing, very quickly, I want to share with you in light of this. We're talking about her position, her productivity, and then her praise. Praise. Listen again to what Paul said, that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever business she has need of you, for indeed she has been a helper of many and of myself also. you think Paul ever forgot this lady by the name of Phoebe? I don't think he ever did. Many, many years ago in Proverbs 31, the writer said, speaking of that virtuous woman, A woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. This lady was worthy of praise. You know why? Because she was a servant of God. And she was doing what she could for the cause. What is it the Lord wants from you? What is it he wants from me? To just do our best. To do our best and to give our best. Are you giving your best Are you putting forth the kind of effort that is noticed by the Lord? Now, it's one thing to talk about somebody and what they're doing and for us to praise one another, but it's something else for the Lord to praise us. There's coming a day when God will say to His faithful, well done, good and faithful servant. That's praise. So if you're here tonight and you're not... A member of the church, could I encourage you to come to Christ believing that Jesus is the Son of God and that based on that faith you would willingly walk away from the world and all its allurements and repent of your sins, confessing the name of Christ before others and then be baptized into Christ. And You might ask why, so that your sins would be forgiven. Acts 2 verse 38. If you'll do that, God will put you in the church, Acts two forty seven. If you're a female, you'll be a sister in Christ. If you're a male, you'll be a brother in Christ. And God will be your father. If you're here and you're not faithful to the cause, could I encourage you to come home? The prodigal son, spoken up by Jesus in Luke 15, went out into that far country and wasted what had been entrusted into his care. The Bible says he came to himself. Went back home, acknowledged his wrongdoing. And you know what the Bible says? God graciously, the Father graciously forgave him. The Bible says, confess your faults one to another, pray one for another. We'd be happy to do that for you tonight as we stand and sing.